Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 329 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about the Federal Reserve, and specifically what the Federal Reserve announced that it is going to begin doing uh, at the end of this month. Uh, I think it is very interesting. I think it's very relevant to financial markets. And I think if we're going to have a better understanding of how the economy and how our investments work, then we need to understand uh, why this uh, potential thing has uh, the impact that it does. And uh, we'll talk about the short-term impacts as in the uh, impact of uh, the announcement and then ultimately the impact that it can have over a long period of time. So uh, stick around for a discussion of all that and more in today's episode. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions. And you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day basis. Now, the Fed made an announcement yesterday, and this announcement is very big. Now, this is something that we've been expecting, something that uh, we've been waiting for to to come down the line uh, when it comes to the Fed and the decisions that they make. Uh, And this is uh, the Fed announced that they are going to begin tapering bond purchases. Now, don't you know, freak out. We'll get to what tapering means and the impacts that it has, right? But uh, this is something that has been expected by the markets for a while. Now, exactly, you know, what what's going on here, right? Uh, Exactly what does the Fed do? Why does the Fed matter? Why are we talking about this in today's episode? Does it seem like uh, something that is irrelevant? Well, the Federal Reserve really, they they have dual mandates, right? And these mandates are uh, to keep stable prices, right? Uh, And to uh, maximize uh, the employment in the U.S., right? Have uh, the lowest unemployment possible, okay? So that's their dual mandate. And in trying to get to this dual mandate, they can do a few things. And two of the biggest things that they can do uh, is they can manipulate interest rates. And I say manipulate, that may not be the perfect word, but uh, they can change interest rates, right? Or uh, they can also make open market purchases or open market uh, sales of treasury bonds, right? And what this does, we'll just start with uh, the interest rates. What happens with the interest rates? Well, if the Fed decreases interest rates, then what happens is is that the cost of borrowing for individuals and companies drops, right? Because if the Fed drops their base rate, uh, then banks are going to drop their base rates and so on and so forth. And there'll be a trickle down all the way to the consumer and all the way to uh, the corporation as well. Okay, so it would be cheaper to borrow. And the opposite is true uh, if they raise interest rates. If they raise interest rates, it's going to be more costly uh, to borrow money, right? And you'll see this in uh, mortgage rates. And that's why mortgage rates are so low right now, because the Fed last year, uh, you know, in this whole, you know, COVID pandemic crisis, all the the things going on, right? They they dropped interest rates to basically zero. And so we've seen this these historically low uh, mortgage rates because those base rates are so low. All right. 
So they can impact interest rates in that particular way, but they can also uh, impact uh, the amount of money that is available in the economy to be lent out uh, and to be circulated by uh, purchasing or um, selling treasury bonds to banks, to financial institutions in the market. And so what happens is if they are purchasing treasury bonds from the market, then that means that they are putting money into the economy, right? They are giving money to the institutions uh, in return for treasury bonds, right? But if they are selling treasury bonds, that means that they are taking money out of the market. They are forcing money out of the market uh, and forcing these treasury bonds into the market, right? And so what we see uh, with this idea of tapering, right? And you may have heard this word tapering. Tapering isn't just specifically for financial transactions, or it's not specifically for uh, bond purchases necessarily, right? Uh, but tapering means to kind of, you know, come off the gas a little bit, kind of uh, fade its way out. To taper your way out would be to fade your way out, right? And so they are trying to taper the bond purchases they've been doing, because not only did they drop interest rates to basically zero last year, uh, they also made the um, you know the decision to start repurchasing a bunch of bonds from the market and in doing so pumping a lot of liquidity a lot of money into the market and so they're making the decision that hey we're going to start reducing the pace of these purchases until we get down to not purchasing any anymore right so the federal reserve announced wednesday uh, it will soon begin reducing the pace of its monthly bond purchases uh, this first step towards pulling back on the massive amount of help it had been providing uh, markets and the economy because it has been a massive amount of help tapering of bond purchases will start quote unquote later this month the policy making federal open market committee said in its post meeting statement the process will see reductions of 15 billion dollars each month 10 billion in treasuries which is what i was talking about a little earlier and they'd also been repurchasing mortgage-backed securities right so 5 billion in mortgage-backed securities from the current 120 billion a month that the fed is buying right so uh, this is going to take a little time but Ultimately, they'll get to a point where they're not um, you know, repurchasing these bonds anymore. Now, the committee said that the move came in light of the substantial further progress the economy has made towards the committee's goals since last December. Now, I wonder what uh, those ultimate goals are. Now, again, you got to think about the, the, the mandates of the Fed, right? Uh, stable pricing and uh, the unemployment rate, okay? This statement approved unanimously stressed that the Fed is not on a preset course and will make adjustments if uh, necessary to this process. So if they need to, uh, you know, slow down the, the taper, then they can do so. If they need to speed it up, then they can do that as well. The committee judges um, that similar reductions in the pace of net asset purchases will likely be appropriate each month, but is prepared to adjust the pace of purchases if warranted by changes in the economic outlook. The move was in line with market expectations following a series of Fed signals that it would begin winding down a program that accelerated March 2020 in response to the COVID pandemic. Markets reacted positively with stocks turning positive and government bond yields inching higher. So let's just pause right there, right? That would be the short-term impact of this decision, the short-term impact of this announcement. So in the short term, right markets react positively so let's think why that may be right in general the market is going to like more money being available well tapering would be saying that we're going to have less money available well the market also uh reacts to expectations and how expectations are either met or missed well the market expected that this was going to be the case they expected that tapering was going to begin soon and so 
this was right in line with what the market expected, which tends to be a good thing. But not only is that the case, we have this thing going on right now that we have not seen in a while, and that thing is called inflation, right? Uh, and taking the foot off the gas when it comes to pumping money into the economy uh, can be a positive thing for slowing down inflation, right? Uh, and if inflation slows, that will be good because we don't want to get into a hyperinflationary situation. So overall, the market said, hey, this is a good thing. We're going to have a positive reaction today. And we saw that as soon as uh, the Fed had their um, you know statement read aloud, then uh, we saw that this was the case. Now, um, also, you saw government bond yields inching higher. Now, why would this be? Well, if there is less supply of money, right, uh, you decrease the supply, then what will end up happening is that the rate of return that is required will also increase, right, uh, because you decrease the supply. Now, we're not decreasing the supply of money. We're just slowing down the speed with which money is going into uh, the economy. And this also kind of speaks to uh, the next course of action that people expect from the Fed, which is to uh, go ahead and start inching interest rates back up. Uh, and in doing so, government bond yields would inch higher in that situation as well. Now, along with the move to taper, the Fed also altered its view on inflation only slightly, acknowledging that price increases have been more rapid and enduring than central bankers had forecasted, uh, but still not backing off the use of the controversial word transitory right? Transitory, it's just been, oh, it's just been a buzzword, right? It's been a word that's just been going around in every financial circle uh, over the past year, year and a half, two, right? Uh, we just keep hearing this word, inflation. It's just going to be transitory. It's just going to come and go. Well, I don't know what they mean by transitory. I, I really don't. Because ultimately, uh, once the prices of goods goes up, you're not necessarily going to see the prices of those goods come back down to earth. Right now, you may see the rate with which the increase in prices is occurring come back down to earth, but that's always occurring, right? Uh, but ultimately, these things that have increased in price uh, along with inflation, you're not likely to see those prices come down substantially. If anything, you'll see other prices increase. You, we, we're seeing wage increases, right? Um, and th I mean, this inflation thing is real. Inflation is is real. It's a real concern, especially for. Uh, the consumer for you and me for going to the grocery store. People like to talk about um, you know the gas pump as a place where inflation is showing up. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Uh, if you look on an inflation adjusted basis over the past you know 30, 40 years, uh, gas prices really haven't done anything. And you got to think about how low gas prices were last year when nobody uh, was driving. I don't think that this is um, as big of a thing when it comes to inflation as is um, food and commodities and lumber and uh, you know housing materials, all these different types of things that uh, really play in, you know, used cars, all things like that. Now, Inflation is elevated, largely reflecting factors that are expected to be transitory, the statement said from uh, the Fed. Supply and demand imbalances related to the pandemic and the reopening of the economy have contributed to sizable price increases in some sectors. Many market participants had expected the Fed to drop the transitory language in light of the persistent inflation gains, but obviously uh, they did not do so. The Fed unveiled its QE taper today uh, as widely expected, but is still insisting that the surge in inflation is largely transitory, which suggests the doves uh, still have the upper hand, wrote Paul Ashworth, chief U.S. economist at Capital Economics. Now, 
uh, I said at the beginning, the Fed unveiled its QE taper, right? Let, let's just um, get a quick definition here. QE stands for quantitative easing, and quantitative easing is the process uh, of the Fed repurchasing uh, these bonds from the market, right? So nothing crazy here, just um, the idea of QE um, and the idea of repurchasing these bonds back. Now, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said that he expects inflation to keep rising uh, as supply issues uh, continue and then start to pull back around the middle of 2022. Our baseline expectation is that supply chain bottlenecks and shortages will persist well into next year and elevated inflation as well, he said. As the pandemic supplies, supply chain bottlenecks will abate and growth will move up. Uh, as that happens, inflation will decline from today's elevated levels. The statement also noted that the economy is expected to continue improving, particularly after the supply chain issues are resolved, right? Because we do have some very large supply chain issues right now, right? Uh, all these uh, big, you know, ships off the the you know coast of California and uh, off of these major ports that uh, haven't come in and provided the the things that uh, are being demanded by uh, consumers. And if demand is high and supply is low, then naturally, what's going to happen? You know, if we know anything about economics, that is going to increase prices, right? And that's exactly what we're seeing. Now, progress on vaccinations and easing of supply constraints are expected to support continued gains in economic activity and employment, as well as a reduction in inflation, the committee said. Now, I don't know um, how much the progress in vaccinations is actually going to have an impact here because uh, over 80% of the U.S. adult population is already uh, vaccinated, so I don't know how much more there's going to be a progress here. Um I do agree that the easing of supply constraints are going to con uh, support continued gains in economic activity, but I don't know about the progress in vaccinations. I don't know how much more progress we can actually have. Uh, but nonetheless, that's what the committee said. The FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, voted not to raise interest rates from their anchor near zero uh, move also expected by the market, right? The market expects for them to do this taper and then eventually, likely in 2022, at least that's the current expectation, uh, get to the point where they will increase interest rates again. The tie between interest rates and tapering is a vital one, and the statement stressed that investors should not view the reduction in purchases as a signal that rate hikes are imminent. We don't think that it's time to raise interest rates yet, uh, Powell said. There's still ground to cover before the Fed reaches its economic goals. He added he wants to see the labor market heal further, quote unquote, and we have very good reasons to think that that will happen as the Delta variant declines, uh, which it's doing now. That's at least what he said. So, I, you know, I still think it's kind of strange, even though uh, the ultimate driver of the Fed action initially uh, was COVID-19. Um I think it's very interesting that a lot of the, the baseline here is still uh, rhetoric associated with uh, vaccinations and rhetoric associated with uh, the Delta variant. I mean, when's the last time you turned on the news and they're actually talking about the Delta variant? I mean, I, yeah, I know it was hot some months ago and I know that uh, all the cases aren't gone, but I mean, given the, the, the level of vaccination at this point, given uh, the number of individuals who've been vaccinated and the number of individuals who have antibodies from getting COVID and the, the you know, really staunch decrease in cases and deaths and hospitalizations and all these types of things. And obviously news coverage has decreased along those same lines. I don't know w what the Fed's uh, point is in continuing to, to push the narrative, but they are continuing to do so. So nonetheless, this is what they're saying. Now, on the current schedule, the reduction in bond purchases will conclude around July 2022. 
Officials have said that they uh, don't envision rate hikes beginning until tapering is finished, and projections released in September indicate one increase at most coming next year. Now, this is interesting, and I think this is all going to be relative to uh, the level of inflation that we ultimately see, because they're saying, hey, we're likely to see increases in inflation where this is likely going to occur. But I think it's going to be uh, relative to the amount that we actually see. All right, if it starts to get a little out of control, I mean, uh, the Fed might have to act far more quickly uh, than they hope because ultimately um, inflation doesn't care, right? The, the price of goods doesn't care about what the Fed is wanting to do, right? The price of goods is going to do what the market demands that the price of goods does, right? And as it does so, uh, then, you know, the Fed is going to have to be reactionary uh, and you just hope that the Fed's course is not uh, far too slow that if something big happens, they can't uh, make the proper changes in the proper time. Because ultimately, if they have to raise rates very quickly and uh, quite a bit very quickly, uh, then the market's going to react quite negatively because uh, that wasn't a part of expectations. Or if they have to you know, cut off the bond purchases far quicker than they expected, uh, then the market will again react negatively to that. Because uh, again, the market is baking in the expectations of what the Fed tells them, but ultimately the Fed uh, doesn't even know, doesn't even know what inflation is ultimately going to be. Yes, they have forecasts and they have great economists that work there that uh, do the forecasting, but ultimately who knows, right? Who knows what the uh, increase in the price of goods and services is going to be over the next year? It's just very, very difficult to tell. Markets, though, have been more aggressive in pricing, at one point indicating as many as three uh, rate increases next year. Now, this can actually be a good thing, right? Uh, if the market expects three rate increases um, and only one is needed, then uh, that can be a very good thing for markets. But at the same time, if the market was right and they already priced that uh, three rate hikes in, uh, and then ultimately, again, the Fed has to move very quickly because they were wrong, uh, there can be negative reactions there as well. Now, that sentiment has cooled off some in recent days as Wall Street anticipated a more dovish Fed uh, as it tries to balance slowing growth and rising inflation. Inflation has been running at a 30-year high, pushed by a clogged supply chain, high consumer demand, and rising wages that have stemmed from a chronic labor shortage. Uh, Fed officials maintain that inflation eventually will drift back to their 2% target, but now say that that could take longer. At least they're telling the truth, right? At least they're telling the truth and saying the thing that uh, we all kind of know to be true at this point is that we're not going to get back to normal inflation levels for a little while, right? Now, what are the implications of this over the long term? The implications can be many fold, but ultimately uh, we don't want 0% interest rates forever. I, I don't think that's a good thing. We don't want uh, this continued uh, bond purchasing uh, program forever. Because all that we're doing, uh, if we continue to do that, we're making, uh, with interest rates being low, you're making uh, borrowing very, very cheap, right? You're getting a lot of cheap money into the system. And when you keep uh, repurchasing bonds, then you're just pumping more and more money into the system, which is decreasing the value uh, of the dollar. And ultimately, it's probably contributing to uh, inflationary um, you know, pressures and things like that. So uh, ultimately, I think we want to get back to this place where we're not purchasing uh, bonds from the market where interest rates can inch their way back up. But uh, if we know anything, we know that the Fed has to kind of signal, right? They have to make decisions and um, you know, ease the public into those decisions. They can't just make these big, crazy, wild decisions all at once or else the, 
the public is not going to react well uh, to that type of decision making, right? They want to be uh, signaled into what the Fed is eventually going to do. But again, this is reliant on the Fed making the right decisions in the right time because they can signal all they want to, but then if they have to make a change, then there are going to be some very severe uh, consequences and severe market reactions to those types of changes. Now, thus far, uh, it seems like uh, the market has had good reactions to the Fed. The Fed has signaled, well, things haven't gotten too out of hand. But the question really is, like, is inflation already too out of hand, right? Is it already getting to the point where we're not going to be able to uh, handle its levels at some point? Because, I mean, in my lifetime, it said we're at a 30-year high in inflation. That means I have never seen this level of inflation. I've never seen uh, this level of the prices of goods and services increasing in this way. Um, and ultimately, you know, what we're taught in economics, what we're taught in finance classes is that, is that the Fed is here to do something about it, right? The Fed wants to keep it around 2%. Now, to be fair, we had several years where inflation fell far lower than 2%. Um, but I think that uh, the issue that the Fed's going to have is, you know, they're trying to get people back to work and trying to reach these unemployment numbers and uh, all these types of things. But I don't know if people are going to go back to work in the same way as they did pre-pandemic. I don't know if things are going to look normal, uh, at least by their economic uh, indicators, ever again, right? Or at least in the foreseeable future. So I think this is very difficult. And it's a difficult job for the Fed to have uh, numbers that are valid and yet um, you know, still make good decisions, even if their numbers uh, are a bit skewed by the fact that uh, their measures may be a bit more crude than they actually should be. But I think we, you know, we know that inflation can have an impact on us and inflation can have an impact on uh, our investments. Ultimately, as they raise interest rates and they stop tapering, then we can probably expect lower uh, stock returns over time. Now, I know that these things are um, already kind of baked into the market, but especially if they have to be accelerated in any type of way because of inflation getting out of hand, uh, we can probably see lower returns in the near future. Now, it's not to say we won't see positive returns. Uh, we just might not see positive returns in the same way uh, that we have in the recent past. But we also know that, you know, having money in a bank right now is just, it's brutal, right? Uh, and I tell you guys all the time, the importance of having an emergency fund, of having uh, money set aside for emergencies that is liquid, that is not invested, that is not, uh, you know, set aside uh, for your future and is going to grow and is, uh, you know, going to be something that's going to make 10% a year, whatever, right? I've told you the importance of not investing uh, your emergency fund. But inflation like this just makes you want to, right? It makes you want to invest everything that you have because uh, you know that your purchasing power is decreasing. But I will remind you, all it takes is one hard pullback and one bad thing to occur in your life, and it becomes a bad idea, right? It doesn't seem like a bad idea on the surface, right? And I understand everyone's argument when they talk about, you know, you shouldn't have money at the bank, especially when inflation's high, because uh, you know, the value of your money is just decreasing. I, I get it, right? But I also understand security and I understand financial security. And I understand as individuals, right, we like to have some assurances. And so we need uh, some money there. And ultimately, not just liking to have assurances, but ultimately having assurances there that if something does happen, we can actually pay for it in cash and not go into debt uh, to have to pay for, you know, any type of medical issue or whatever it may uh, ultimately be in our lives. So I know that inflation has an impact, but ultimately, if you do have money invested, uh, then some level of inflation can be good for your portfolio. Now, 
hyperinflation, inflation getting out of hand is not going to be good for anybody, right? Uh, but inflation in a general sense can be good for your portfolio because um, you know the prices of goods and services are set by who? The companies that sell the goods and services, right? So if you own a diversified group of companies or just you know companies that sell the goods and services and they're increasing prices, well, what's that going to do to their value? It's going to increase their value. And if you're a part owner of that company or that group of companies, then what's going to happen to the value of your holdings? The value of your holdings is going to increase as well. Okay. Um, so this can be a positive thing for us, right? If you are invested, this can be a positive thing. Um, you know, I'm not suggesting we go out and just buy a bunch of crypto, but if you own crypto, this can also be a good thing because the whole idea behind cryptocurrency or even, you know, gold and other commodities is that, um, you know, especially with crypto, uh, there is a finite amount like of Bitcoin, right? There's a finite amount of Bitcoin and there is an infinite amount of money that can be printed, right? So as there's a finite amount of Bitcoin and yet there's money being actively printed and pushed into the market and, um, you know, rates remain low and money's cheap and all these types of things, right? Then the cost of one Bitcoin for however many dollars uh, should continue to rise as inflation rises because, um, Bitcoin is not an inflationary asset, right? Uh, Bitcoin is an asset that does not um, is not impacted in value by uh, inflation. It, it's only impacted in value by inflation when it comes to the amount of dollars that you're going to pay uh, in order to purchase a Bitcoin, right? So you may see things like cryptocurrency continue to have uh, big rises. You may see uh, commodities continue to have big rises as long as we have inflation in the way that we do. But I will tell you this, if you do see the Fed stop tapering you know, abruptly, uh, or if you do see uh, rates rise abruptly, uh, then watch out if you're in any of those types of assets, because uh, that would be quite negative for them. Because ultimately what that does is that stabilizes the relationship between the dollar and that particular asset. Uh, and thus, you know, kind of uh, tamps down what the future expectations of returns would be in the same way that it would with the stock market as well. Ultimately, why does this matter, though? Why does this matter to the individual? Because we need to understand some macroeconomic things. We need to understand some things um, that, even though they don't seem to impact our lives, even though they happen, um, you know, kind of behind the veil of, uh, you know, the federal government, behind the veil of, um, you know, Wall Street and financial markets, we need to understand uh, what's occurring. Because on a day like today, you see the stock market up and you're like, oh, yay, I'm, you know, the stock market's up, uh, you know. The S&P was up 0.65%. Yay. You have stocks like Amazon up over 2% today. Yay. But ultimately, why? Right? Like, why are they up? Why Why does this matter? Right? Uh, why, why is Amazon up 2% today? Why uh, is the QQQ up over 1% today? Why? Right? And ultimately, you can go back to this whole narrative about the Federal Reserve, this narrative about uh, tapering, and you can understand better why. Right? Right? Um, if we understand this, we'll also be be better able to understand why when we go to the grocery store, the our dollar's not going as far, right? Uh, the value of our dollar is not near as much uh, as it was in the recent past. And uh, that's unfortunate. We can't do anything about it. But uh, again, we can better understand our surroundings and better understand how to make better financial decisions if we understand the macro. I want us to at least understand the macro. Now, I don't love getting bogged down in the macro either, but... Um, 
I think ultimately, if we do have some understanding here, if we do understand the Fed, we understand what the Fed does, uh, then we'll be far better off to make good financial decisions and be uh, good stewards of our finances over uh, a long period of time. So I'm not going to bog you down with any more uh, of the Fed's crap. I know that uh, this is not something that has a, a direct you know call to action for you guys. Um, but ultimately, uh, I guess the call to action today could be, um, you know, if inflation persists, you know, invest your money, uh, be growing your money, but make sure that you still have emergency funds that are liquid and uh, available to you, even if you're going to take a little hit on inflation. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably the biggest call to action uh, today. If nothing else, you just need to remain invested because over the long term, if inflation increases and continues to increase, then the only way that you're going to win in real terms with your money is making higher rates of return uh, than the rate of inflation. And there's not a ton of places where you can do that, uh, but a couple places where it's very reliable is the stock market, uh, is real estate and real estate in the way that I talk to you about paying for real estate, not going out and just being levered up to our necks, right? Ultimately, those things are going to help you uh, to beat inflation over a long period of time and continue to grow your money uh, in a reliable way. Because it is one thing to grow your money, right? At like let's say a ten percent annual clip, but if you're you know looking at five percent inflation every single year, that's you know approximately a real return of only five percent a year, uh, and that is not extremely valuable to us uh, over the long term. Because yeah, we may have tons of money built up for ourselves when we retire, but how much is that money really going to be worth, uh, relative to how much it could be worth, uh, if we would have invested our money, uh, through inflationary cycles, through inflationary periods. Ultimately, we want to make high returns and high real returns over a long period of time. And that's what I'll call you to do today. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to build a financial plan and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just DM me on any of the major social media sites and tell me that you are interested in financial coaching sessions and you and I can begin working together, pushing towards your long-term financial goals and ultimately pushing you on towards long-term financial freedom, which is what I hope for every single individual who's watching or listening to this show on a day-to-day basis. So tune in tomorrow as I continue talking about personal finance topics that I think could be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. So thanks for tuning into this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.